Hey everybody, this is Ben Reiser, Director of Operations for the Wisconsin Film Festival. I'm also the head of the programming committee for our Wisconsin's own section of the festival, and that's what brings us to this interview that I am conducting now. With, oh my God, and now my dog is baying in the other room. Hey, dude, shh, stop it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm countering your Brooklyn Street noise, Justin, with my dog, who has, yeah. <laughs> has become so much has so much wider vocabulary vocabulary over this past year of of having people in the house with him all day long. Um, he's really learned to talk to us in a whole new way. Um, anyway, I <laughs> I'm here today with Justin Newhouse and B. Travis, the filmmakers behind Way Upstate, which is. Uh, one of my favorite shorts that we're showing this year um, in the festival. Uh, I was immediately enchanted with it from like the very first frame. Uh, and um, I want to start by saying that it seems to me that when you make a short film, and this is a fairly short, short film, one of the things, one of the things that you can do is you really sort of have the ability to make sure every single shot and every, every image, every moment is exactly the way you want it. You really can, if you've got the time, you can spend the time and craft every single image um, and every moment of the, of the film and, and way upstate feels that way to me. Like you, you've captured everything exactly the way it seems like you would want to. Uh, but I wonder if you, you can talk about whether there were in, were in fact things that you were hoping to capture in a certain way that you were not able to, and, and sort of how, how carefully crafted in pre-production was this film as far as like a storyboard or a shot list or things like that? Yeah. So, um, Justin and I spent a lot of time prepping for this short. Um, and I was in California at the time and he was in New York while we were prepping. So we were um, doing phone calls um, once or twice a week, probably about six months out from when we wanted to film. Um, and so we, we worked through the script together and then um, that rolled into shot listing together. And yeah, it was, pretty carefully planned. And we, we did a lot of talking about how we wanted it to look and how we wanted it to feel uh, was a big part of the discussion. Um, I don't know, Justin, I'm trying to think of if there was anything we couldn't really get or um, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm, I'm racking my head on that. So I know in terms of pre-production um, and the planning before, I'm not, I don't, I'm not really a, a storyboard person, but it's because I can't draw. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. So for this, luckily, the location, even though it's really remote, is, is a, a really good friend of ours, uh, family cabin. So I'd been there before. Um, and on top of it, uh, they'd happened to be in the process of selling it. So there was a listing. So based on my understanding of, of the layout of the place and the photos that we had, I was able to do overheads that we could share and talk through. The space because I when usually when I'm prepping something overheads is the easiest way for me to because I understand how I want it to look and then an overhead is the easiest way I can convey exactly how exactly we want to cover the scene with the mm -hmm. understanding that that we can discuss shot sizes and, and feeling. Can, can you spend a second and just tell people what overheads are? Um, yeah, they're 
it would basically be, oh goodness, uh, <laughs> like a top-down view of a space. Um, almost like I, a blueprint. Almost like a blueprint. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's almost like a blueprint. Yeah, and right. and on it you would draw um, your actors, their blocking, mm -hmm. and where exactly each camera position will be for each bit of coverage. Mm -hmm. Um. I have so many questions. I mean, this is a film that sort of feels for the most part, very self-explanatory. And um, I don't, you know, I, we'll talk, we can talk a little bit about the sort of story itself that you're showing, but it, but it feels like an opportunity to talk about a lot of the sort of technical sides of, of making, of making films. So that's kind of where I'm going to concentrate, but um, uh, something you said just made me think of the question. Uh, is there are you using, did you, did you have, did you bring any lights or is this whole thing? It's in, in these days of, of, of HD video, it seems like, um, the, 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 uh, the lenses and the cameras are so sensitive that a lot of times you, I mean, I gotta tell you, I bought a lighting kit like 10 years ago when I first got my like first HD camera and it's, I've yet to use it. <laughs> But, but can you talk about um, whether there's whether you used uh, lighting, like actual lights in this film, or it's all natural? Yeah, um, the interesting part is because the, the location is so remote, we actually had to um, take everything by boat to get there. Mm -hmm. So for us, it was like, it was interesting to make those choices and be like, okay, we can only take this much stuff. Um, we were also we were also up in the Adirondacks, which is like almost a five hour drive from New York City. So it was also what could we fit in a rental car because we weren't <laughs> yeah we weren't bringing a truck up there and that wasn't our budget. So um, yeah, from from a five hour drive to a boat, what can we fit? <laughs> yeah, but we we did. I I think I slimmed it down. I want to say a, I want to say I took four lights. Um, all LED, very simple stuff. And then I brought um, two additional like crates of uh, bulbs, dimmers for the night interior work. And then a lot of um, muslin and um, duvetine because the the main living room space has that giant open window towards the, the water. Yeah. So a lot of not facing that way is is augmenting and shaping that vast amount of light. It, it was it was pretty clear early on that it was like during the day interior stuff there's nothing you can do you don't have enough big lights to actually make an impact so how can you shape it to make it feel um pretty yeah um okay well let's back up a, a second uh before we dive back into the production it, it, in the in the credits in the film itself um uh, it, it, you're you're both credited this is like a film by and then b you're credited as director and justin you're the cinematographer and there is no actual writing credit although in the submission materials you've got justin listed as writer but can you both talk a minute about what the inspiration for this film was and and whose idea was it and you know how, how you came to decide to make this film um it was it was a so Justin and I had been kind of talking about um, doing a project together um, and we both individually had scripts that we had already written that were um, 
one actor, one location. Um, so we, with the intention of making something sim simple and, and producing something makeable. Um, mm -hmm. And we, so this one was just in script that he had originally written for a uh, totally different location. And when that first location didn't work out for us, then it turned into sort of a uh, co-writing to a new location. So the location was a pretty heavy influence for this script. And um, uh, that's a lot of the moments that you see in it are, are, are based off of, uh, like Justin said, looking at photos and his experience of, of being there. And um, yeah. Um yeah, well, speaking of location, uh, th this film is part of the Wisconsin Zone section of the festival because, B, you were born in Sheboygan, is that right? Mm-hmm, And yep. then you went to UW-Madison. Um, but the truth is, if you had sent this in and told us this was shot in Wisconsin on one of the many <laughs> lakes in Wisconsin, I don't think anyone would have been able to call your bluff. Uh, the Adirondacks seem to be like an amazing stand-in for any number of um, Wisconsin lakes that I've spent time on. Um, uh, I don't know why I'm telling you that. <laughs> you know, it's, that. it's funny you mention that because when we were workshopping the title of the film, um, one of the ones we were kicking around was up north. And mm -hmm. for me, I was thinking up north because, because of Wisconsin and um I, I did I did sort of want there to be a tie between that feeling of this getaway place and this place that people have a lot of memories and, and going for the summer and way upstate works for that too. Um, and it's a little bit more, I think, the New York version, but it works for Wisconsin as well. Yeah. Did, it, when you spent time in Wisconsin, did you have did you have like a access to kind of a cottage and, and lake living in the summers at all? Um, I mean, a lot of my friends did so I, I have a lot of memories of going to a friend's um cottage and having it hanging out on the lake yeah um I, as I've as I probably have said a couple times already this film is gorgeous to look at every shot is a is a delight for the eyes um I I I wonder uh these days about how much of crafting images in the digital realm is this sort of post-production color color timing coloring and i and i see like you have almost there's almost as many people that worked on the coloring of this film as it worked on the whole rest of the film uh can you talk about that process and 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 some of the differences between the raw images that you captured and what we end up seeing on screen sure um the the from the from the coloring um standpoint the the colorist is is a um, a good friend of ours uh, who had done it and the the reason the crediting is as dense as it is is the company she works for um kind of allowed this whole range of facilities uh to be open to us for it um so there was one particular colorist uh with one person kind of mediating all of our notes across mm. um with us using kind of, it's it's unfortunate because we actually were supposed to go in to uh, sit and color the film. I think it was mid-March of 2020. Yeah. Um, so we kind of made the most of it. Honestly, we did most of this film in, uh, in COVID times. Uh, we luckily got into the editing studio 
for a few, uh, maybe a month or two before uh, the shutdown. So, um, but in terms of the actual, like from camera to uh, screening, um, we had shot uh, 2K raw. We, because we're such a small production, I think the camera we uh, shot on is up to 4K and, and we kind of made the decision it's, we're not doing anything crazy. I'm not planning on cropping or reframing or stabilizing in post that much. So there's no point inundating us with all this 4K uh, material when we know we're not doing anything crazy. Um, so it was relatively easy moving it from camera raw to um, the LUT that we kind of ran with. So we'd shot it with the idea that it was kind of going to have one of these like kind of Kodak um, very contrasty film LUTs to it. And that was the LUT that I had sent to Natasha, our colors, um, with a few notes with kind of the whole, cause there's a, there's a transition through the film of, of how much contrast, warmth, um, saturation, that kind of stuff. Um, so I kind of sent her a few references of where, how things should feel at this point in the film, this point in the film, this point in the film, and then our LUT that we were starting with. Um, and she did an incredible job. <laughs> she really, she really blew us away with, uh, with how well she could run with, with the information we had given her. Yeah. Um, so would be, do you think if people saw the sort of before and after, uh, pictures of before and after coloring, they'd be shocked at what, at what's able to be done or is it more subtle than that? I, I think it's more subtle. The, the, um, the 709 that comes, the, the color space that, um, that Sony uses is, is, um, for lack of a better term, gummier. It's like a little more saturated. It's a little, um, it's hard to describe exactly. It, it's it's more uh, palatable, uh, whereas the look we kind of went with was a little starker. So a lot of the contrasts ended up getting ripped out, especially in the beginning of the film. Um, and we had moved, you know, as, as the film goes, we kind of lay back in some of the contrast um, and uh, did some of the work in in how exactly we were going to shade the shadows and the midtones. Um, but it, I, I think it's, I think there's a clear difference between the, um, the light we had recorded with and what we ended up, but I, I don't think they're markedly different. If the film has, and the film has some ambiguity, I mean, there's no, it's, it's, there's no dialogue. Uh, there's no voiceover narration or anything like that. And I would say that, that there are a few questions that don't, really get answered uh, and for me having watched it two or three times over the course of the last four or five months um i think there are still questions um is this woman mourning the loss of uh, of a relative like a parent perhaps or even a grandparent or are they mourning the loss of uh, a partner or a lover uh uh or is or is is it not is it, it is it not a death but just sort of um, a breakup maybe uh, and I don't need you to answer those questions but uh, how, how much uh, 
how much of those questions have you answered for yourself and how how important or unimportant was it to to let the audience in on on the answers to those i think um when justin and i were talking through the story and and the script um we definitely had a certain scenario in mind that the two of us were working off of but something that we, we did want to make it kind of ambiguous and it's really a representation of loss and the feeling of going back to a place that has a lot of memory and evokes a lot of nostalgia. Um, and I think, you know, I think a lot of us have a place like that where, where when we go back to it, we're immediately hit with a lot of um, feelings and memories and, and that's what we wanted this to be. So you could make, the loss that she's feeling and the grief that she's experiencing um, be anything that, that you want or that's rele that relevant to you in your life. Um, for Justin and I specifically, we're thinking of a grandparent's home. Um, that's why something like a root bear barrel, uh, which is something a candy grandpa would have in his pocket mm -hmm. is in the film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it is more of a portrait of grief um, and memory than, than needing to be a specific story. Um, and then with that, something else that we did a lot of talking about was how we can pull out the senses in this film, because that has a lot to do with memory. Um, so there's a lot of really intentional aspects within that have to do with, um, you know, from the color, which we've already talked about to the sound, um, design and, uh, tasting, smelling, touch, like that's all in there, uh, to help bring that out. Yeah, I'd I'd like to talk specifically about the root beer barrel, which for me uh, immediately triggered all kinds of associations and memories. And I then I, I do I do wonder. I think I've wondered this every time I've talked to somebody about this film or watched it again. Is uh, is there like a is there a dividing line between people who? Uh, know what that is that root beer barrel candy and like that root beer barrel candy like i do and those who don't either know what they're looking at or don't like those and does that has that have you found that that's colored people's impressions or feelings about the film i guess we i i haven't had any feedback that anyone doesn't know but that would be an interesting um uh survey to take <laughs> Uh, cause I, I, maybe it would change the, the, uh, how you're thinking about who she's mourning. Um, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I do associate like those, even if it's not a root beer candle, like those hard candies that were, you know, in a candy dish on grandma and grandpa's table, like whether it's the butterscotch or whatever, it's always those like, you know, click hard candies. And, um, I said click because I, just love Justin's brother did the sound design on this and um, he re-recorded re everything for this film. And he made the sound of the candy by, I think he said tapping a pencil to his teeth or something. And yeah, it was such as I thought that was cool, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if people don't know what a root beer barrel is. Uh, I think they're, you know, I'm surprised like with my kids, uh, who are now like in high school and college, but how many things don't register to them as something they're familiar with. That's true. Maybe, maybe our age was sort of like the last age that I experienced root beer barrels. <laughs> I don't know. 
Um, I'm glad you've you've mentioned sound a few times because that was my next area of inquiry. Uh, uh, in addition to looking beautiful, the the soundscape of the film seems very carefully crafted, and there is, um, to me, there's a moment, and it's and it's uh, after we come up from black and and it's nighttime, and there's the campfire where the sound seems to like kick in, kick up a notch, and the soundscape becomes even more like overtly evocative and um, amplified uh, to the point where it, to my ears, it sounds like there's almost the hint of a, of a musical score uh, that comes in, but maybe that's just ambient sounds that are just tricking me. Uh, and it sort of coincides with her starting to play the, the record. Um, and I, I think I heard you say that the entire film, and I was this was a question I had, the entire film was re-record, was recorded, uh, you know, non-sync and, and built up after the fact. Um, and was that always part of the plan, if that's the case? And anyway, talk some more about the soundtrack. Um, yes, that was always part of the plan uh, to not record on location um, and build out this very rich um, uh Sound, soundtrack underneath. Um, uh, yeah, um, after the campfire, we the the song that that kicks in, into gear as we as we reach the climax of the film um, is slowly mixed in, um, and we we it we wanted it to sound very distant and not very clear so that all of a sudden when, when the needle drops on the record, that's, that's when we're into the moment and we're into mm -hmm. the song. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was intentional to build, I, build the I, soundtrack there. I forgot the last part of the question. <laughs> I, I will, I will add really quickly. I know we had had the conversation with my brother about um, taking like that, um, the really, uh, dirty um, record sound, like um, the crackling and, and stuff. Uh, we had talked about laying that in with the actual crackling of the fire. So you do get some of that. It's, it, it, the goal was to, to, as Via said, slowly make our way into um, almost this realization of uh, the memory of this song. So it's like, uh, as most memories do cre creep in. So we, we wanted to introduce a bunch of the elements before we actually got into the space and the moment with her. Yeah. You know, to my ears, like when we're looking at the fire, bef even before we get cut back to the interior of the cabin and the, and the record, there's this sort of low end kind of thing, which, which a lot of films these days use <laughs> as their, like their musical score is actually just like, like a bunch of that. And I hear a little of that and I, I don't know, you know, I don't, I'm not, it's not clear what that is. And it also could just be my ears playing tricks on me, but it makes sense that if it's, if it is that distant um, sort of uh, treatment of, of the song itself, then yeah. That sounds right to me too. The song also naturally has that feel sort of it in, in before the song kicks into gear, it has kind of that droning underbelly that's mm -hmm. already in there. And I think Tyler, who, um, who is our sound mixer and re-recordist, uh, I think he just kind of stretched that sound a little bit more yeah. to make that happen. Well, it's fantastic. What a, what a beautifully crafted little film you've made 
what's next for the two of you? Um, well, I'm actually recently relocated back to Wisconsin. Um, and I thank you um, because I wrote a feature script that's set in um, my hometown of Sheboygan. So I'm back and I'm working on um, making that happen um, and doing a lot of fundraising and, and all of those things. And uh, then I would like to bring Justin out here and have him shoot it. Um, and, uh, and then with that, I'm working on a lot of smaller projects too, to sort of uh, uh, kind of get Belladonna is the name of the film. So get Belladonna more established and myself back in the community. So um, yeah, that's, that's what's next for me. And just, uh, Justin, what else do you have going on? <laughs> yeah, how are uh, things in Brooklyn? Good. Uh, it's it's been a lot of the the same. It's small projects. I know. Uh, be it, it, it's actually interesting because Bia brought um, Belladonna to me. I think we st started talking about it maybe three or four years ago, and I know you've been working on it even longer than that. So this, in a in a in a really fun way, was like we've been talking about it for so long and like kicking around ideas. This was like, Hey, let's, let's do something really small together and see how this feels. And uh, it was, it was almost like a dry run for, cause we've known each other for years, but we haven't done a, a project immediately with each other. Um, and this was, this was like a, a great start to being like, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's get to the, uh, the feature. Uh, more in depth where we can get into uh, every aspect a little bit more, um, which is super exciting. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was a great start and it really whets my appetite to see what comes next. Thanks so much for bringing the film to us and thanks for hanging out with me and talking about it. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you.